this is our day of thanks. And I'm going to ask you to do something that we usually don't do at the dispensable church. If you're not sitting near someone, uh, I'm going to ask you to sort of scooch over until you're near someone because I want you to, uh, just for this opening, and don't be afraid about this, <laughs> just for this opening, I want you to hold hands with the person next to you. Plus, it's a little cool. See, we used to get the <laughs> we used to get the heat on before this. So, if you'd close your eyes and then just gently reach over and take the hand of the person next to you, and if uh, there is uh, no one, oh, here we, I'll tell you what. Here we have a couple, few people coming in. Now, those of you who are coming in, you've got to slit, sit next uh, to someone, close to someone, and hold their hand. This is going to make them bolt from the door. They're going to run from the church. <laughs> so just sit next to whoever you'd like to. And uh, just very gently um, take the hand of the person next to you. Close your eyes. And if you don't have, if there's a hand that you don't, have held, if it's not being held, please just for this morning only picture Jesus holding your hand, sitting there holding your free hand. So those of you on the aisle, you see, and very gently say to yourself, in my heart, I know I am grateful for my brothers and my sisters. In my heart, I know I'm grateful for my brothers and my sisters. I'm grateful that there are people who share my way home. There are people to walk with. Those of you who just come in have to sit next to someone and hold their hand. <laughs> we are never alone. And here you have a family. And here you have people to share your way home. And isn't this reason for thankfulness? And as you hold this dear one's hand, you have, to, you have to hold her hand. Okay. I'm not going to let anybody escape now. I want you to think back over your life. And remember the times that you dove very, very deeply into your ego. Very deeply. Do you see how someone was waiting there for you? What a reason to be thankful. It matters not how deeply we dive into our ego. God waits there patiently, blesses us. No one is ever left alone. 
There is someone with you. And there's someone with you this morning. Now I'm going to ask you to do something else that's corny. I'm going to ask you to say three times out loud, Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Okay. Gratitude is so simple. Uh, the ego makes it difficult as everything else. It's uh, on the ego level. It's it's uh, something that we owe for a service rendered, and either it's something that's owed us, or it's something that we owe someone else. If we owe someone else, we feel guilty. If they owe us, we, 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 we feel uh, resentful. So it's the service rendered aspect. That's why we're grateful. It's because we have something that someone else does not have. And so the more people who have not, the more grateful we are. <laughs> and of course, that's not gratitude. And there's no end to that kind of gratitude. There's no end to the, uh, the thirst for it. We can't get enough service rendered. We can't have enough things more than others. Because it doesn't satisfy. There's no tenderness in it. There's no justice in it. And I'd like to read this morning from page 498 of the text of A Course in Miracles. You who know not of justice still can ask and learn the answer. Justice looks on all in the same way. It is not just that one should lack for what another has, for that is vengeance in whatever form it takes. Justice demands no sacrifice. For any sacrifice is made that sin may be preserved and kept. It is a payment offered for the cost of sin, but not the to total cost. The rest is taken from another to be laid beside your little payment to atone for all that you would keep and not give up. So is the victim seen as partly you, with someone else by far the greater part. And in the total cost, the greater his, the less is yours. And justice, being blind, is satisfied by being paid. It matters not by whom. Can this be justice? God knows not of this. But justice does he know, and knows it well. For he is wholly fair to everyone. Vengeance is alien to God's mind because he knows of justice. To be just is to be fair and not be vengeful. So that is how simple it is. And yet, as I say, we make it so difficult.
often it's interesting to look at children when they get tired or when they're making one of those little transitions. Often people don't realize that these little transitions are difficult for kids when someone comes home, when they have to leave school, when they have to be left at school, these little transitions. They get a little scared, as we, of course, get scared in our transitions. And whenever we get scared, we dive back into our ego. And, of course, a child does this. But it's often interesting to watch a child and to see how they operate when they're having one of these little ego attacks. And uh, with John, there's no end, of course, to the wanting. This is the way you know the ego. There's no end to the wanting. But uh, oftentimes it's difficult for Gail and and, uh, me to even understand what he's asking for. Do you remember... Back in our day, we uh, we had lead soldiers. Now they're action figures. He wants some action <laughs> figures. I wasn't quite sure what he meant by this, <laughs> but it means these little uh, people, you know, they're little figures, but they're made out of plastic now, and, and all the packages they say ac- includes action figure along with the uh, anti spaceship gun or whatever it is. And and then when I was a kid. We had Grape Et. <laughs> do you remember Grape Et? Oh, do you remember uh, our knee-high grape? You had, to eat, you had to drink knee-high grape and orange crush. You couldn't get those mixed up, you know. But Grape Et, now, now he was, he's demanding Capri Sun. Capri Sun, what, what, what is Capri Sun? <laughs> uh, But it is interesting to see this in a child. There's no end to the wanting and what they get doesn't satisfy them and so forth. And so, of course, there can be no gratitude or no rest, no end to it. The coming of gratitude into our life simply means the recognition of where the rest lies, where the journey ends, where the satisfaction takes over. And so we cease the useless seeking the running after one thing after another, separating ourselves and hurting people in order to get this and that with no satisfaction, with no gratitude, with no rest. The only thing that we can be truly grateful for is God. But what is God? God is everything. God is peace and love and brightness Brilliance, in fact. In fact, light. All the light that there is. And God is joy. And God is a stillness that is substance. An actual substance that pours forth. This is given to everyone. This is, lies in the heart of every single person. And so, no matter what our circumstances... There is reason for us to be grateful if we can look at what is right and stop for a minute looking what is, at what is wrong. That's all that gratitude is, the willingness to look at what is right, to look at who has not deserted us, to look at the home that awaits us and the inheritance that despite all of our efforts, we were not able to throw away.
A Course in Miracles says, God is in everything that we see because God is in our mind. And so it is perfectly all right to be grateful for everything that we see. If we realize where the source of the goodness lies and that it's not taking it away from one person in order we can have it and they not have it, where's the God in that? Where's the oneness in that? But if we see the God in it, then we will be grateful for anything in this world. At least we will laugh gently at it. Um, so this morning... As you know, our, ser our service will be only an hour, and we're going to devote uh, time for people to uh, stand up and express their gratitude. Uh, but since I got the first chance, <laughs> I would like to tell you what I am grateful for. So God is peace. Where do I see peace? I do not see peace everywhere yet but I certainly see peace in this city, in the city of Santa Fe. Maybe you remember, I once told the story after I'd moved to, uh, Gail and I'd moved to Santa Fe, uh, and I was very taken with the peace, the quietness, the stillness of, of Santa Fe, the laid-backness, true laid-backness. This is not West Coast California laid-backness. <laughs> this is the genuine stuff, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I was down the plaza and there was a pickup truck that was going around and around the plaza and in the bed of the truck there was a, a girl's team of some sort uh, and uh, they were chanting over and over we're number five we're number five <laughs> This, uh, this town is so quiet that that's why the beautiful people leave. <laughs> it's just not, it doesn't swing. <laughs> it has a few little places, but it swing, but it is a quiet place. Where's the nightlife? <laughs> oh, I remember another thing. I think I've told you this. Uh, there was a potholes. I mean, we, we know we have potholes, but this was a pothole. I mean, this was, it was over on Palace Avenue. It was in front of her friend's apartment. Gail and I were over there. This pothole was so deep that another pickup, a lot of people own pickup trucks here, fell into it. <laughs> and all you could see was the bed of the truck sticking out of the pothole. <laughs> but this was entertainment for many blocks in Santa Fe. <laughs> People gathered around, wondered whether or not the person was still down there. We figured maybe he'd had a few, and he's probably perfectly happy. <laughs> None of this panic of trying to get people out. I mean, it was a perfectly good pothole, and if you're potted, why not be in the pothole? You don't know. And it's as if our city government, despite all their promises... Uh, seem to understand this. And so, uh, <laughs> and so, of course, we wait until the height of tourist season to repair our streets, you know. 
And this does indeed keep down the uh, the number of tourists that, that come in. <laughs> and the weather. I the weather's so gentle. There is peace. Um, we were we had a uh, memorial service uh, this last week, and I was sort of expecting that it would be. Uh, it would be sunshiny for the memorial service. And so I was driving that morning, and uh, I looked up, and I saw that it was cloudy. And uh, at the end of the memorial service, uh, the wife of the man who had died had, had asked that we release balloons. And so it seemed like this would call for a bright day. I looked up, and I thought, oh, gosh, it's overclouded. I didn't expect this. And then it was as if a gentle voice said, look again. And I looked again, and I saw how soft the clouds were. It reminded me of the underbelly of a great big mother rabbit. Just this gentle, sort of brown, furry stuff. And I realized how gentle the weather is here in Santa Fe. This is a place that I personally see peace. You could see peace in any weather in any city. You could see peace in any city government. You could see peace in any town. But God is peace, and I do see peace in those places. God is truth. And so I'm grateful for A Course in Miracles, which is my teaching aid. It is, it is the help for me to get home. I'm grateful that it is that it was written. I'm grateful to Helen Shuckman, who greatly detested it, and yet went ahead and uh, wrote it anyway. Uh, she was the scribe of the course, and as you know, she was uh, a, a PhD, uh, an actual tenured uh, professor at Columbia University who taught abnormal psychology, and this was. Uh, a great embarrassment to her that she was hearing a voice there <laughs> in the midst of all this academia. And, uh, and I'm grateful to Bill Thetford, the other professor at Columbia, who kept encouraging her, encouraging her to come in early before anyone got there and they would type up the uh, notes that she had received. He would hold her hand. He actually... In the beginning, he had to hold his arm around her so that she could see her notes. So afraid was she of what was happening. So sure was she that she had gone crazy. And she would have these coughing fits. And her eyes would water. She would actually almost go blind when she tried to read these notes in the beginning. He kept holding her. He said, I don't know exactly what this means, but it's so beautiful. I think we should keep up with it. And then they turned it over to a foundation with no royalty agreement. Nowhere does their name appear. And so there is no hierarchy. There is nothing to worship. There's just the pure statement of the truth. Truth is in so many places. And I am grateful for the light. A friend of mine uh, works at Big Joe's. Which has moved now, as you know. But uh, she worked in it at the old location. 
for many years. And she said that uh, the Pittsburgh paint man used to come in town all the time, and she used to talk to him. And he would say that this is where they tested their paints and where many of the other companies tested their paint because of the extra ultraviolet in the air. Uh, and I, I hadn't known that there was a reason for this blue sheen to the light and to the, uh, to the, uh, the reason for why the mountains are called the blood of Christ, the sun way to crystal. They turn, the light turns it this, this uh, crimson color. And so we are indeed blessed with light. Light off of snow this time of year. I'm especially grateful to the magpies who have come to live here in this area. This has only happened the last few years, but it's as if they have snow on their wings all the time and they, they reflect the light. And God is happiness. John is uh, a constant source of happiness to Gail and me. Uh, I forget what he had done the other day, but Gail said to him, uh, do you know what they used to do, what they used to do to children? <laughs> they used to walk, wash out their mouth with soap. He didn't hesitate a second. He said, do you know what they used to do to mommies? <laughs> he said, a gorilla used to tie them to a power line and beat them with a big stick. <laughs> I don't know where he came up <laughs> Jordan has begun chirping now. You know that chirping stage, you know, babies? When they first begin making little sounds and they just sit there and they sing their little songs and everything. Source of happiness. I'm especially... Uh, grateful to the to the uh, mystery writers, <laughs> to uh, Van der Vettering and his commissaries. I'm sorry I have to mention this, but uh, this is indeed a great source of great happiness to me. James Harriet and his animals in Yorkshire, and to Neville Shute and his mystical flying, and to Georgette Heyer, who seems to see laughter in everybody's eyes. And to uh, Lawrence Block and Bernie Rodenbar. Has anybody read the Bernie Rodenbar series? The burglar who uh, studied Spinoza and so forth. <laughs> Isn't that a wonderful name? Bernie Rodenbar. Um, and cats. We have three cats. Cats are just wonderful. We've got two cats that live in Melissa's uh, house, and then we have one cat in our house. And the cats, we have these great big glass walls, and uh, the cats from the other house come up and they walk past the glass. And you know what happens when you see a cat and they see that you see it? They freeze, you know. <laughs> I just love this, you know. <laughs> I guess they think that when they go at that, they're invisible. You know? <laughs> oh, they, they feed me. God is gentleness. Where do I see gentleness? Certainly in this congregation. 
certainly in the people who come here. It is still an absolute mystery to me that people show up here. <laughs> I'm still not quite, quite sure uh, as to why this happens. Uh, but uh, this is a very gentle group. And the Seventh-day Adventists are very gentle people, and they have been so nice to us, and uh, especially Kaz, uh, Carlos Garza, who likes to be called Kaz, has been so nice to us, uh, gently reminding us uh, when we haven't uh, cleaned up or that kind of thing, but always very, very gently. God is stillness. And in the beginning, it seems like stillness is just sort of quieting the body and quieting the mind. But after a while, you realize that because God is stillness, it does indeed pour from everything. For me, it especially pours from the stars at night and this brilliant sky that we have at night. You can look up at the stars at this particular place in the country, and the sky is so clear, and the stars are so bright, that you are actually filled with the stillness, and the stillness that the moonlight has. It's as if the moonlight freezes everything, but freezes in a peace, freezes it in love, and adds a softness to even a dump heap, to even the trash along the side of the road. The pinions which grow so slowly and so and they're so still. And the ravens, the stillness of their glide through the air, these magnificent birds that we have here, and the nighthawks. If you if you if you ever listen to a nighthawk, this chee chee boom, chee chee boom. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so they're way up there and uh, I guess the chi-chi is insect, chi-chi. <laughs> I guess boom is I got him. <laughs> but there's something so restful about that. Chi-chi, boom, you know, and they dive down. God is love. And I, I cannot help but think of my best friend and my companion and my way home. Gail. And I indeed see God's love in Gail. And finally, God is simplicity. And for God, I am deeply grateful. Merry Christmas! Thank you all for coming. Uh, As many of you know, Gail and I have a new baby. Well, he's not. He's four months old now. So. Um, and we sort of divide things up at night so that somebody can get some sleep. And last night, the way we had it divided was that uh, Gail and Jordan were in one room, and John and I were in another room. John's four years old. <laughs> uh, 
I think this is the first time that John has really uh, understood uh, Santa Claus and Christmas and all the magic of it and so forth. So um, we were up, uh, John and I, it didn't work as Gail and I thought. We thought that John and I would get sleep, but actually it didn't turn out that way because it was, last night it was St. Nick for some reason. It was not Santa Claus. And there were many discussions, as you know, it got quite cold last night, and the bedroom that John and I were in got very cold. So at one point, I got up and built a little fire in the fireplace, and this caused great discussion. <laughs> How was St. Nick going to know not to come down this fireplace was a discussion? So finally, I, you know, I explain how St. Nick had very good eyesight. He could tell the big fireplace from the little fireplace and so forth. He knew these kinds of things. Uh, then this led into a discussion, well, what if St. Nick was dead anyway? <laughs> what was going to happen? Uh, <laughs> that was a hard one. To... Fortunately, Scooby-Doo has uh, many ghosts that uh, turn out to be people and people that turn out to be ghosts and it all works out just fine, so we got through, through that one all right. Um, at another point, he did open the door, which he wasn't supposed to do, because if Santa sees a child, he hides, you know. Uh, and he saw that Santa had left some presents under the tree. The only way I could keep him in was to uh, tell him, well, that Santa hadn't... I went out and checked. I said, well, Santa hasn't filled the stockings yet. So this... this I tell you went on <laughs> all night long <laughs> um, and so in the uh, morning when we went out this morning um, well there were several things out there there was a very small little uh, stocking that was filled just with candy there was a larger stocking that was filled just with presents there were the presents that uh, Gail and I and the relatives had given John, and then there were Santa presents wrapped in Santa wrapping. They were all in one place. Guess where he started? The small one with the candy. <laughs> you see what happens when you emphasize health food, you see? <laughs> you, give, you give them one chance and... <laughs> It is in children that we can still see very much alive the original and enduring purpose of Christmas. We can see the light in their eyes. We can see the joy. We can see the single-minded purpose that everything is for fun. Everything is for playing with. And so many of you have possibly been frustrated as the child spent more time playing with the wrapping. Or as John did, John, it was, it's unwrapping the presents. He would unwrap them but not open the box. And then he'd go to another one. So everything is for playing with. Uh, the, um, the purpose that we get um, caught up in so often is thinking that everything is for a different purpose. So the somewhat unhappy 
In fact, quite an unhappy thing that we fall into is thinking that there's a different purpose for everything, and none of it's for fun. And the child comes along and shows us, no, it's all the same. You can play with the toilet paper or the Christmas tree, or you can play with a stick that you pick up or an old pipe, or you can play with a fancy toy, or you can play on someone's knee, or you can play with someone's hair, or you can play with something that rattles, or you can stick anything in your mouth. <laughs> and this is, of course, the true spirit, the spirit that unites us all. For many of you, and for all of you eventually, Christ is indeed born today within you, the Christ spirit of gentleness. And that simply means that this long nightmare has an end. And for many of you, you have seen the end already. You've seen the candle flickering at the end of the tunnel. And what hope there is in that, what joy. Now life has a single purpose, and that is to walk home to your father and to take your brothers and sisters with you. You take those that you can now, and those that you can't take now, you will take later before you yourself enter what is traditionally called the gates of heaven, the mind of God and sit before the great, brilliant fire of God's love that hurts no one, that judges no one, that encircles all in life. And that is what today is about. Today, we will judge nothing that occurs. If we have judged something already this day, let us forget it now and remember the original purpose of Christmas. That is what he taught us to judge no one, to judge no present, to judge no present wrapping. Yes, you saw that was the cheap one at TGNY. You could have bought that wrapping too. You know that. You passed it up, and lo and behold, you're getting the wrapping from somebody else. <laughs> you don't judge the wrapping. You don't even have to go along with this crazy idea of ego honesty somehow we have to be honest about our feeling about the present that we are receiving. Notice that it changes. You like it one minute, the next minute you don't, and it's all so crazy. Don't even look to see what your ego thinks of the present. Isn't it simply wonderful that someone gave you a present? Isn't it simply wonderful that they sent you a card, that they called you on the phone, that they wished you Merry Christmas? in a store. Isn't that sufficient? And so what do you think of the present? You love the present because you love the present giver. You love the wrapping and you love what you're served at the dinner table and you love the weather and you love everything because you judge none of it whatsoever. To have Christ born in us means that we are beginning to realize that we are not alone in all of this. That someone walks beside us. That there is a hand that holds us. That there is a presence that watches over us. 
We know, of course, that there's a presence that sees us through when we die. That's there and sees us through. It's quite clear to many of you that there's a presence for the child that is born. It's something that comes with the child. You can almost feel the glow around the newborn child. Many doctors who felt as if they had no religion, no belief, no trust in anything, have over and over again had very deep, what they themselves would call religious experiences in delivering a child. But we forget this. Somehow the friend leaves, but the friend does not leave. We simply look away. But today we look back, for it is Christmas. Today we remember how far we have come. Today, for at least one day, we do not think about how far we have yet to go, because that just delays us. That makes us feel hopeless and depressed. That's an invitation to self-condemnation. And how can we help but condemn others if we say that we ourselves are making such little progress? For the same criteria that we use to judge ourselves will automatically apply to other people. And so for the sake of others, today we will not judge ourselves. We will remember our friend. We will see how far he has taken us. We will know that he will take us the rest of the way. The Christ makes us one. That is the message of Christmas. The Son of God has not fragmented himself into millions of warring, misunderstood, lonely souls. This has not happened. This is the, the nightmare. But it hasn't happened. Today we no longer try to look through the nightmare to the Christ. Today we no longer try to look through the ego to the child of God. Today we say the simple truth in our heart. There is nothing there but Christ. I see nothing but Christ because there is nothing but Christ. I do not try to explain it or kid myself that it's all right. I choose to see something else. You look straight at him, reminds us, the course of miracles. You look straight at him and do not see him. Today we will see him. We will see him even in the concern that others may have, even in their anxiety, even in their loneliness, perhaps even in their temporary, unfortunate pattern of making a sad time of Christmas. We will see even that as a call for help, even if we are attacked, even if we are criticized on this day, we will see even that as a call for help. For those of you in whom the Christ Spirit is born, for those of you who now know that you have but one purpose, and that is to walk home to God, 
for you and for everyone else within a very short period of time. You know that you will come to see each brother and sister as yourself. And so today you choose to do that. Today you choose to see every action as a reaching out, as a love, as a hope. Today you wish to give comfort wherever you may. And you look carefully before you give. And you give it in the terms that it will be understood. You do not give it in terms that you must insist upon. There are no right terms. What makes the person feels, feel loved is love. And that's what you wish to do. And so if it brightens some person for you to compliment them on how they look, compliment them on how they look. If you know they want you to tell them that, that you like the turkey that they've prepared or the ham or whatever it is, don't withhold that. There is no issue but love. There is no issue but peace. Those of you who do counseling, and many of you have gone through many stages of counseling, know that there is a common denominator in all counseling. And that is that no matter what the system, what the theory, the technique, the approach, the counselor always attempts to help the client, the patient, the friend, go more deeply. Isn't that true? Even if you have been asked for help over lunch or someone calls you, don't you see that you instinctively try to get the person to go a little more deeply? That you point out something that takes them a little deeper, no matter what terms you use? We all have this inherent faith of the light, not the darkness within us. This is the common denominator in all forms of help. No one asks people to become more superficial to think less, to look less deeply, but always to look more deeply and more gently because we know that the light is within us. We know this in moment of, moments of stress. Thank God, people! Exclamation point. When might you say something like that? If you're caught in a blizzard someplace and you're wandering and you see a lighted house, thank God people. If you're lost at sea, you send out an SOS, you don't, you don't say to whom the SS must go. You don't even think about to whom the SS will go. If you're lost in a forest and you build a bonfire, do you care who the pilot is that sees it? Of course not. Do you see this inherent faith that we have? Now, of course, in this nightmare, it's betrayed and over and over again. But the light remains steady. 
We do know this about each other. There is a goodness in everyone's heart. Darkness has not touched this light. And on Christmas Day, we simply acknowledge that fact. Oh, lovely child of God, I know you're lonely. I know you're angry. I know you're proud. I know whatever it is that you see before you. But I know something even more deeply, that you are a child of God, that the light of hope and gentleness, that the urge to do and be good, that the longing to go home burns within your heart, even if you aren't conscious of it right now. And so I welcome you. I will be gentle with you this day. When I was making a few notes about uh, what I would say today, I really did feel uh, what I was saying, what I knew I would talk about. And although this does not necessarily happen, you know when you have been filled with peace, how often those who are receptive will respond to it, and you are surprised by it because that is not your purpose. I remember being, I think I may have told you this uh, story a long time ago. I was in an airport once, and I was meditating, and I felt the presence of God particularly strongly. And there was a group of people that had gotten off of a plane, and I was just sitting there in the chair waiting for my flight. And they kept looking over at me. And the, the whole group of people, there were people getting off the plane, there were people meeting this group, and I, they were all going to do something together. I didn't quite understand what it was. They were all going to go camping together or do something. These were people in their 50s and 60s. They sort of gathered around me. I wasn't paying too much attention because I loved them because I did feel the love of God at that moment. But I wasn't paying a whole lot of attention, except that I just kept noticing they kept looking over at me. And then they got closer and closer to me. There was no discussion about me, and there wasn't anything unusual. I was not wearing this white suit, for example. It's <laughs> just an ordinary-looking person. And suddenly, one of the women, um, she was uh, somebody's... Um, she was, there's some children there, and she was uh, the grandmother to, to some, some of the children. She came over and sat on my lap. <laughs> and several of the other uh, people came over, and uh, they, they put their arm around me and started talking about me and everything, and there was this feeling of friendship. They didn't ask me who I was. They didn't say anything about it. <laughs> that can happen, can't it? It doesn't... <laughs> it doesn't necessarily happen, and we cannot expect to manipulate the world through this kind of thing. But this kind of miracle, when our heart is filled with peace, can happen. The miracle in which someone feels their oneness with you because you see your oneness with them. 
There's no inequality. There is no worship in this. There's no adoration in this. There was no praise said to me. I was not in any way singled out. I was just included in the group. <laughs> That's all. And then they went on their way. Well, when I was making the notes for this, something similar happened. John had gotten a uh, cargo plane for Christmas, and it opens up in the front, and you can put little people and cars and things, and it closes and so forth. And so I was in the little room where I write, and he came in to the room, uh, which is unusual because usually he doesn't come in when I'm writing. Came in with a cargo plane, and he said, Daddy, this cargo plane is just filled with people, and they are so glad to see you that they are just jumping out of their pants. <laughs> and so often we can see that. So often... Oh, no, excuse me. We can't see that. No, that's not how we see it. So often we can see this reflection of our attitude. This much we do know. We cannot manipulate someone. We aren't necessarily going to cheer anyone up. But we do know this much. It is never anyone else's fault that we are not at peace. Never, never, never is that the case. We may not be able to do anything for this person. For look at how many angry people Jesus simply walked away from, simply turned and walked away hurling no abuse, making no criticism, but just gently walking away. So we may have to walk away from anger in order to preserve our peace, but we bless the person, we embrace the person, we embrace the situation, even as we leave it. But we never tell ourselves that we don't feel love because of so-and-so, that we are unhappy because of this event or the way they set up this situation or because of this dynamic that occurs year and year after year. Never do we do that. We judge nothing that occurs. And this non-judgment, this absolute forgiveness, gives us our invulnerability. If you will judge nothing that occurs for the rest of the day, I promise you a happy, peaceful day. If you will judge no one for the rest of this day, I give you my solemn oath. You will not be hurt. The only way someone else's anger or pain or loneliness or pettiness or selfishness or anything else can touch you is by your criticizing them in your mind. That is the plug that you plug into their unhappiness. And that is the thing that keeps you from helping them if they are available for help. So today, let us not use that plug. Let us not link up with misery in any form. Let's truly be everyone's best friend this day. Let's truly celebrate the birth of Christ in our heart. My friends, I know that I am walking home. I know that it's not much longer for me now 
I can feel the presence of my Father. I have not been working at this very long. I've been on a spiritual path off and on. But I started in earnest about five or six years ago. I've worked very, very hard. And I'm beginning to sense the real world. And I'm beginning to know how short it can be. As you know, I take no money for this church. This is a dispensable church. It has a time. It will last only for a time. I will do what I can, and then I must go on to my Father. I want you to come with me. I want as many of you that can to come with me. Please begin this day. Please be kind this day. Don't hurt anyone. Be gentle to your body. Forgive yourself immediately for any mistakes you make. Nothing is keeping you here. You can know Christ. You can know your oneness with your brother and sister. Let this be the day that you begin in earnest. From this day on, never look back. Be as good as and as peaceful, and as kind, and as gentle, as you already know you are in your heart. Let this day be the birth of Christ for you.